Amen. We are finishing up Evangelism Boot Camp today. Finishing up this series that we've been in for four weeks. Evangelism Boot Camp. We'll be in Acts 2, if you want to go ahead and get there. For those of you that were wondering, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. But for those of you that were wondering, yes, in fact, I did wear my Lucky Hog socks yesterday. You're, you are welcome. <laughs> but to be perfectly honest, I've worn them every Saturday this, week, this year, so sometimes maybe they didn't help so much. But anyway, that was a great day, right? I got to wear my hog shirt again today, wore one last week, wore one this week, figured I'd get them in. We may not have a whole lot to celebrate next Sunday, so I'll get them, get them in while I can. Uh, anyway, it was a great day. Hogs won. OU lost. <laughs> to the Baptists, which is even better. <laughs> Chad's in here to hear that. Perry's outside. I'll make sure to remind him afterwards. But uh, anyway, good day. Glad to be here this morning. So we're finishing this up. We, we started... Uh, four weeks ago with sincere love. If you're going to evangelize, then you have to wear the trademark logo of being a Jesus follower. You have to start from the place of sincere love. You have to have God's love inside of you that has reborn you into something new. And that has to be the place from which evangelism comes from. Otherwise, it's dead. It's very dead. The second week, we talked about make them thirsty. That, that we, when we accept what Jesus has done on the cross, when we come to that realization, when we place faith, hope, and trust in that, uh, that we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit quenches our eternal thirst. And if that is what happens, then we want to make the world thirsty by how we live our lives, by how we follow Jesus. We want to make them thirsty. And then last week we talked about the reason that we're given that Spirit is to have power and to have signs, excuse me, to have power and to have gifts. Um, It was signs for the apostles. To have gifts in order to be a witness for Jesus. That's the entire point while we live out our life is to be a witness. And then this week we're finishing up um, with our last week here. So as we get into what we're going to talk about, I want to start from a strange place for you probably, but from a very normal place for me. So I played 13 seasons of football. When you count Little League, high school, college, all the way through, I played 13 seasons. Um, In college I was a a linebacker, so I was on defense the whole time, which if you're not a football fan, that's the person that tackles the person that carries the brown thing. You try to tackle that person. So the funny thing is, right, even in my 13th season, right, I kind of knew how to tackle people by then. But when you start practice every year, you start with the very basic fundamentals of how to tackle. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's third grade little league all the way up to pros that have been playing for 15 years. You start with the very basics of tackling. This is one of the drills that you do because one of the fundamentals of tackling is explosive hips. So that's that's what that drill is doing. You you work on the very little fine details. Then you bring your feet into it, right? So then you progress to another another drill. I can I can like I can quote this stuff in my sleep. Eyes up, chest up, hips up, garbage up, drop your feet. Like it's drilled into your head like how to tackle. You start with the very basic things. You know, and then you progress to full tackling, angle tackling, things like that. Putting your shoulder into it. What's my point? My point is that fundamentals are the secret. 
Fundamentals are the secret. Everybody wants the secret, and you see somebody that's really good at something, and you think, well, they must know something I don't know. Well, the thing that they know, whether they realize they know it or not, is that the fundamentals are the secret. Everybody wants the secret, okay? Everybody wants the secret way to be good at whatever it is, right? You hear Sandra play the piano, and you think, I think, you may not think, I think, man, I wish I could play the piano like that. What's the secret? It's a simple thing. When we say what's the secret, if we translate that into what we actually mean, we mean what's the easy way? What's the easy way to get from where I'm at to where I want to be? What's the easy way? There must be some trick. And then we, and then we pass it off as, you know, as just a gifting. Well, of course it's a gifting, but a gifting not used is useless. A gifting not practiced is useless. There is no easy way to be great at anything. There's no easy way. It's fundamentals. Be really, really really good at the fundamentals of whatever it is, and you can be good at it. If you want to be great at the piano, then practice scales. If you want to be a good linebacker, then practice tackling, because that's what it comes down to. If we want to be effective Christians, then we need to be effectively doing the very basic fundamentals of what it is to be a Christian. So as we get into Acts 2 today, we're going into it with that mindset, the fundamentals of being a follower of Jesus. And that's what this whole series has been about, just been about the basic fundamentals. But the, the key idea today is that the, the saved are disciples. The saved are disciples. That's the big fundamental for the followers of Jesus. The saved are disciples. Now, last week we read through this same bit of scripture, and I told you we would pick back up this week. But just to remind you, or in case you weren't here last week, uh, what's taking place here in Acts? So the disciples, Jesus has gone back to heaven and he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power to, to be able to be my witnesses here and a little further away and all across the world, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere else in the world. And that's what they were waiting on, and that happens on the day of Pentecost, which is a big celebration in the Jewish world where a lot of people from all over the known world at the time would come to Jerusalem. They receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they receive power. They receive gifting. They received the ability to, to speak in, in, in tongues that they didn't know, but that others knew what they were saying. Pentecost. And then as all that's happening and this craziness has happened, Peter stands up in the midst of that and starts preaching. And he preaches the Word of God very powerfully with the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit. And at the very end of that message is where we're picking up today, when all that has taken place. And, and, and hundreds and thousands of people are listening to Peter preach and hearing it in their own language. And then they say this as we pick up in verse 37, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. This is right after Peter, Peter has finished that message. When they heard this, they being all the people listening to Peter preaching, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Because the word of God always brings you to a decision point. Always. You may not do it, but it's going to bring you to a decision point. Peter said, 38, repent, turn away from your sin, turn towards God, repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call, and with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. And the last verses. So those who accepted his message were baptized. 
And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Every time I read that, I think, man, what a day that would be. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So, amen. Great day. The church is born. That's the day the church was born, literally. And so we're going to dig into that today and, and really look at what the fundamental is, uh, the fundamentals of, of, of this, of the birth of the church and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a church. Now, the thing about this, the thing about fundamentals, this ain't nothing you hadn't already heard. Just like when we started with the hip drill, six-point explosion, I had done that a thousand times, probably tens of thousands of times by the time I got to my senior year in college. But we still, we still went through the drill. We were still taught the drill. We were still taught how to do the drill. And we were taught why doing that drill matters. We still had to do it. So nothing you're going to hear today is anything special other than the fundamentals are what is special. The fundamentals are what is secret. So the first thing there is, verse 41, so those who, were accept, who accepted his message were baptized. Were baptized. The first act of a disciple after professing faith is baptism. End of discussion, church. There, there's no way around that. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you say, if you profess that Jesus is your Lord, then your act of obedience is to get baptized. It was then, it always has been, and it still is today. It is an act of obedience that Jesus has commanded us to do. You must be baptized if you have professed faith in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that as a guilt trip. I'm not saying that because I, I think somebody in here needs, to, I don't have anybody in mind. So if you're hearing that, you're, you're hearing something I'm not saying, that might be the Holy Spirit convicting you. That's, that's the, between you and God. I'm not saying that because it, I'm just saying it because it is a fundamental of following Jesus. As very clear right here in these scriptures and all throughout scriptures as far as that goes. Now notice what it doesn't say in verse 41. It doesn't say maybe. So those who accepted his message thought about being baptized. They considered being baptized. Well, when they get to XYZ point, then they'll be baptized. It doesn't say that. It just says that they were baptized. The, imp the implication is that they were baptized then, that day. That's the implication of the scripture. And it doesn't exactly say that, but that's definitely the imp implication. It was not very long after they professed faith that they got baptized. That is for certain, right? There's 120 believers prior to these, these 3,000 coming to faith. So if you take all, just take 100 of those guys, if they start baptizing people, it wouldn't be hard to baptize 3,000 pe 3, people in a day. But the point is, they did it then. They didn't wait. It wasn't maybe. It's not, it's a command, in other words. You can use that word. It's that strong of language. Now, I'm not going to chase that rabbit anymore. It is what it is. And what is baptism? Baptism is baptism. What is baptism? It's baptism. It's what the word says to be baptized, to be submerged, to be taken down into the water and brought up out of the water, to be submerged. You come to faith, then you are baptized because when you come to faith, you realize that Jesus died on the cross for you, spent some time actually in death, in burial, and then was resurrected back to life. And that is a physical act that God has given us to celebrate and remind us, new believers and believers that have been around for a long time, that that is what's taking place. So to express that Jesus died, was buried, and came back to life, you can't do that any other way with water than to be submerged and brought back out. Moving along, before I really ruffle some feathers, because I'm close, I can, 
I can feel like my, woo, no. But I'm not going to go there. Just trust me. That's what Scripture says. Don't trust me. Read it for yourself. It says it right there in plain English. Moving along. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So after they were baptized, they became part of the church. If you wanted to sum that verse up in one little statement, they were baptized and they became part of the church. They started doing the things that the church does. They became part of the church. In, in the words of Warren Wisby, Warren Wiersbe, excuse me, who's a lot smarter guy than I am, I love his quotes, the early church did more than make converts, they also made disciples. They didn't make converts, they made disciples. That thing that we do at the end of the service every week, the Great Commission, it doesn't say go and make converts, it says go and make disciples. Okay? The point is not to get you to say something. That's not the point. That's not the point. The point is to have your life radically changed now and forever, for you to join eternity, for you to, and yes, say something, admit that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, and that you want to follow Him. And that's the start. And then you continue the process of becoming a disciple. So we, we say that every week. It doesn't say to make converts. It says to make disciples. Now, here's, I want you to catch this at the beginning of, of that verse. It says they devoted, right? They devoted themselves to these things, right? Anybody in here ever watched Darkwing Duck? If you're around my age, did you watch Darkwing Duck growing up? Sweet. So I was thinking this, this morning. I was, you know, going back through these things. I was thinking it's like, at this point, it's like Darkwing Duck's like, let's get dangerous. That was his thing that he always said. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at this and I was like, let's get nerdy now. That's what I was thinking. So let's get nerdy now, right? Like Darkwing Duck got dangerous. Let's get nerdy. Just for a second. This word here, this devoted, as it says in the HCSB. In other words, in other places it says, says it a little differently. This word is, this word is proskartereo. Proskartereo. Proskartereo, if you were to say it with a Greek accent that's very bad. That first word is in the Greek. That second word is how we take what that Greek sounds like and put it in our English letters. That's called transliteration. Okay, so proskartereo, this word, persisting in or continuing in or being devoted to. Okay, that's what that word is. Devoted, proskartereo. In other words, it's an action, devotion. Those that believe, they act, they do, they participate. It's not just something you say with your mouth. If you say it with your mouth and you actually mean it, then you will do. You will participate. You will be devoted to. You will be proskartereo. You will be devoted to these things. Now, that's why I wanted to kind of not dawdle on baptism too long because I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this one, and that's fine. Prepare for some feather rustling is all I can tell you. And I welcome discussion on what I'm about to say on this moving forward. Not right now, but any other time after we're done, okay? Notice here what this says. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They devoted. What am I saying? It doesn't say that the apostles begged them to become disciples, to be discipled. It, it doesn't say that the apostles have a special discipleship program, and that's why they be began the process of discipleship. It says they devoted themselves. The people that got saved 
devoted themselves to discipleship. Do they have to learn that? Do they have to know to do that? Those that are saved will become disciples. The apostles didn't have to beg them. Now, here, don't hear something I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't think about, pray about, and struggle with, and, and really care about how we disciple in this church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it shouldn't be a priority. I'm not saying we shouldn't promote it. We should do all of those things. But what I am saying is that it's not the church's fault if you aren't devoted to being a disciple. That's not the church's fault. We, we, we throw these terms around. I'm telling you, I know it's going to ruffle feathers because it's ruffled mine all week long. It's bothered me. This, this, this entire thought has bothered me all week long. Because we say things like, well, I want so-and-so to be discipled. Right? We're looking for a youth pastor right now. We want a youth pastor that wants to disciple students. Right? And, the, and that's, that's, that's right. But it's, it's also wrong. And this is why it's bothering me. It's also wrong because it's not the youth pastor's job. It's not my job. It's not the parent's job. It's the person that is, has gotten saved. That person, when the Holy Spirit is gifted to them, will devote themselves to being discipled. That's what the Word of God says. Now, that's hard to deal with because a lot of us, a lot of folks through the, through the times have, have said a prayer. They've stood right here, maybe even, and said they follow Jesus. But if you follow Jesus, then you're going to follow Jesus. And following Jesus means being discipled by him. They devoted themselves. Now, this is why evangelism and discipleship always go together. We've separated them. We as in the church, we as in clergy, we as in preachers, we as in the traditions of man. We've separated them into two separate things. They're not two separate things. Evangelism and discipleship are the same thing. Sharing of the faith and sharing that you need to be discipled always go together, right? How, where does it say that in these scriptures? Verse 40. He shared how to get saved, but then in verse 40 it says, and with many other words he strongly urged them. I would almost guarantee you, and you got to be careful with putting words into scripture where there's not there, I would almost guarantee you that in those many words, it was clearly explained that to profess faith in Jesus meant joining this movement, joining the church and becoming part of what we do as the church, as Jesus's ecclesia. So we, we don't just play on someone's emotions and get them to say something because they're scared or whatever else. It must be clearly stated and clearly defined. We must, we must use evangelism and, evangelism and discipleship together. They're, they're never two separate things. They're always one thing. So, follower of Jesus, you need to be being discipled by Jesus, not me. Not a deacon in the church, not your Sunday school teacher. You need to be discipled by Jesus. And the only way to do that is to be in Jesus' word. So, moving along, because that was, I saw a couple of sneers, so we'll move along. I'm kidding, I didn't see a couple of sneers. All right, so, proscar to reo, right? Proscar to reo, be devoted. 
devoted to what? Well, then it gives us those things. Really, two things fundamentally. If you wanted to just break it down, make it very simple. Fundamentally, two things that we, as a follower of Jesus, should be devoted to, that the Holy Spirit will make us be devoted to. The grace of God will allow us to be devoted to. And the first thing is the apostles' teaching. Right? So it's, that's a strange way to say it, but it's a very accurate way to say it at this exact moment in, in time. The apostles' teaching, the word of God, right? Jesus says in, in, in John 15, 4, he says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. How do you abide in Jesus? His word. What is his word? It is to do things in his name. It is to love others the way he has loved us. That's the very basic fundamental of, of the word of God, the word of Christ, Jesus' message. And specifically for the apostles, and why, why the apostles' teaching is very applicable at this time. Now, again, let's get a little nerdy. Messianic Christology, right? That's a big seminary preachery word that you've probably never said before, right? Messianic Christology. What, what does that mean? The first point there is what it means. How the Old Testament links to what Jesus said, his ministry. How, how everything that God had already said and set up in the Old Testament led to Jesus. In other words, how everything from Genesis to Revelation, I love the way people say it, has got a red scarlet line all the way through it, right? The blood of Jesus is from the beginning to the end. Well, that's what the apostles were having to do at the very beginning. That was the apostles' teaching. That's what Jesus explained to them while he, when, after he was resurrected and had 40 days to, like, no, no, here, now, here's what it's, oh, and it all clicked then. Like, oh, so when Isaiah 600 years ago was, was saying that, 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 a, uh, that the Son of God will be born from a virgin, that was you, okay. And, and, and so it goes through all, it, all of the Old Testament, how it links to Jesus. They're not two separate things. It's all, it's all one thing, Giddy. It's all one thing. <laughs> And this becomes this, 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 this thing that the Word of God links up with the Word of God, Jesus, all one thing. It becomes the core of the New Testament doctrine. It's why we have the New Testament, is to explain that, right? The Word of God, the apostles' teaching, what Jesus has said and done, the teaching of the apostles. This is the Word of God. Now, here's some truth on God's Word, how important it is, right? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, the word of Jesus, the apostles' teaching, the word of God, right? What am I saying? We're in evangelism, right? The proclaiming of God's word is how someone comes to faith. And this is not the only way God's word is proclaimed. This is a tiny piece of how God's word is proclaimed. I'm talking about what I'm doing right now. It is, it is a part of it, and it's an important part, but it's not any more important than you sharing something with your coworker about what Jesus is doing in your life. Matter of fact, that's probably led more people to Jesus than this has. Because we're all called to be witnesses of Jesus. It's, it's, like, it's like Jeremiah, Jeremiah said in verse 20, chapter 20, verse 9. And I love this, I love this chapter. And sometimes, boy, sometimes this verse really, you really understand what he's saying. And of course, Jeremiah, he's not going through a good time when he says this. He's saying this in lament. Like he, he wants to give up. He's tired of Israel being who Israel is, and he's tired of them not believing in him. And he's tired of being jeered and sneered for saying that they need to repent and, and all this bad stuff is fixing to happen. And all, he's tired of it. But here's what he says in verse, chapter 20, verse 9. But if I say, 
I want to say it, but I'm not going to. But if I did, if I say, I will not remember him nor speak anymore in his name, speak the word of God, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I'm tired of holding it in. I cannot endure it. That's what the word of God does to a believer. You cannot not want to share it. We should, it should be a burning fire in our heart, shut up in our bones. What does that mean? It means like, it, like our bones literally feel like they're going to explode from the inside out. If I don't do what God has called me to do, I just can't stand it. That's what the Holy Spirit does to a believer of Jesus. Sometimes throughout life, more than others, right? For sure. And this one, this one had me spinning all week too. It kind of goes with what we were just looking at. A second ago about discipleship. This one had me spinning. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Now, church, that's deep. And you better think about it. And I better think about it. And we all better consider that and meditate on that and ponder that in our hearts. If, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. What is he saying? He's saying, if we were to put it in modern terms, standing here and saying I'm professing Jesus as my Lord and Savior ain't all it, that there is to it. It's not. And that ought to scare you. It scares me. As the shepherd of this church, as the person that's going to be held accountable, for whether or not the truth was proclaimed to you, it scares me. Now, what am I saying? That you have to do something to be saved? Absolutely not. If any preacher ever tells you that, he's lying. Either purposefully or, or being misinformed. You don't have to do anything to be saved. God's already done it. Jesus did it. He did it on the cross. But what I am saying is that for those who actually and truly submit to that truth, that God loves you so much that he saved you from the path of condemnation that you were already on to an eternity without him. He loves you so much that instead of punishing you, and instead of punishing the world, he did something and he had a plan from the very beginning of time. He created time and from the beginning of that time, he knew that we would reject him, but he gave us the choice to do it anyway because he wanted us to actually and truly love him. And if you understand that, that that's what Jesus did, that he took eternal from the beginning to the end, all of the sins that have ever been committed and he took them on him, all of yours, past, present, and future, and he took them on himself. God took it on himself, all of that, so that God the Father could righteously pour out his wrath on that and on him. And when you really and truly understand that and say that, you believe in that, you place your faith in that, your hope and your trust in that, I'm telling you that if that's true, then you are gifted the Holy Spirit and you cannot not continue in following Jesus. You can't. You won't. Will you, will you bump your head? Yes. Will you say things you shouldn't say? Yeah. We're not chasing all those rabbits. Yes. You, you will not be perfect. You are maintained by the grace of God in your sinfulness after placing your faith in Him. And be thankful for that. Be thankful that it's not up to you whether you're saved or not. It's not. But I'm telling you 
You don't work to be saved, but if you are saved, you can't help but do things for Jesus. You can't. We can't. And you can get in a season where it becomes difficult, and you can get in a season where you get in a routine, and you get in a rut, and, you know, and a rut is just a, Brother Clayton used to say, a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out, right? That's what a rut is, you just you're in a rut. You're just on your way to life being over and not good. You can get in a rut. I'm not saying that if, that if you didn't share your faith this, with someone at work this week that you're not a follower of Jesus. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you're being disobedient what I'm saying and I'm saying the same thing to myself that we're disobedient when we're not evangelizing and, and discipling we're, we're being disobedient that's what we've been called to do we've been called to be witnesses and to be a witness is to share the word of God and in that sharing what Jesus has done that there is a discipleship process that follows after that and that that if we're going to put something on the church that is where the church has failed at least for the last 50 or 60 years in American times. We want them saved. We want them saved. We want them to press, profess Jesus, and we want to dunk them in the water, and we want to celebrate. And then good luck. Why? Because on the front end, we forgot to explain, or maybe not even forgot. We just didn't know. We were ignorant of the fact that we needed to explain that following Jesus is not just saying something and getting dunked in water. It's a lifelong commitment to discipleship. To following Jesus. That's what it is. And those who are saved are disciples. And that's not easy to take. We, we want it to be different than that. If you won't admit that, then you're just not being honest with yourself. Human nature wants it to be different than that. It can't just be that simple. Well, it's that simple. Tackling can't just be that simple. It is that simple. Eyes up, chest up, hips up, garbage up, drop your feet. It's that simple. The saved, those who have placed their faith in Jesus and received salvation, are disciples. Period. And if they're not, well, it's not good. The saved will continue, and they will persevere to the end by the grace of God. Amen. And by that last part's important, right? By the grace of God. Not by you gritting your teeth. It's by the grace of God. And thank you, God, that it's by the grace of God. So, moving along. That was super heavy. Whew. That's heavy, I'm telling you. That's a big fundamental right there. Second thing, apostles teaching, the second thing is to the fellowship. We like this. This sounds fun. This part sounds fun. Right? To the fellowship. The fellowship of believers. And specifically here, it kind of gives two things that go with fellowship. Okay? In the Greek and in the English, there's not an and. It's not to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. It's to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. The breaking of bread and the prayers are the further delineation, the description of fellowship in this specific case. Does that encompass it all? No, but it gives you a pretty good idea of what fellowship is. Fellowship expressed in the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now... Let's get nerdy now. Some of y'all are going to go look that up and understand what I mean. Let's get a little nerdy just for a second. Fellowship, that word there. Kunonia. That's how you say that. Kunonia. In the Greek, transliterated into the English. The Christian fellowship or the bodies of believers. It is literally a Greek word made up to describe Christians. Now that's cool. 
Now, we, fellowship gets used all the time now, still mostly in a church setting, though. But in the Greek, it was literally a, 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 a kind of a reformulation, a, a, a derivative of a word that already existed to describe what this thing is that these weird people are doing. These Jesus followers, they follow the way. They have fellowship. It's a cool word. It's a specifically Christian word. It's the intimate spiritual communion and participate in sharing in a common religious commitment and spiritual community. So it's to fellowship. It's to participate in. Notice that common theme. There's a participation that must take place, that should take place, that will take place. There's a fellowship that will take place. Christianity is a participatory faith because discipleship is participatory. And that's what we've been called to. We've been called to discipleship. You participate in discipleship. You participate in fellowship. Almost as a direct result of being discipled by Jesus, you will be part of the fellowship. We have to be together, church. We have to be together. That's what Jesus has said. And and understand, I I do mean this, and I love this time. Y'all know that. I love when we're together on Sunday mornings, but this is just a small, tiny, teeny portion. You have 167 other waking hours of the week. We're just here for about an hour, sometimes a little longer if the preacher doesn't hurry up. This is just a small part. We're just scratching the surface. This part is. Just scratching the surface. We need to be breaking bread. We need to be praying together. But this is it's a participatory thing. What, what, what does he mean when he says breaking bread? Well, he says it means meals and the Lord's Supper. Both are implied. Luke's way of, of describing the Lord's Supper would, would be to say to break bread. So it means they're having a meal, but it also means when they have meals together, they're observing the Lord's Supper. Am I saying we should do that every time we have a meal together? No, but we should do it on the regular. That's why it's in our bylaws, in case you didn't know. It's literally in the bylaws of our church that we must do it a certain amount of times per year. Why? Because if we're not, then we're disobeying the Word of God. We should be praying for each other and with each other. Fellowship together with each other and with our Lord. It's this, it's this Christian Jesus thing. It's, it's kunonia. It, it, just, it happens. We fellowship together, together with each other and with Jesus, with God at the same time because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute miracle when the church does this correctly it's a miracle discipleship the word and fellowship word and fellowship word and fellowship i did it again didn't i why why word and fellowship because the saved are disciples you say okay preacher i got it okay but do you got it (laughs) the saved are disciples the saved are disciples You say, well, I wasn't discipled. You know, I've, I've heard that. And, and I understand the heart behind it, right? I grew up in the church, and I got saved, and the church didn't disciple me. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that if you are saved, you will be devoted to being discipled. You will be discipled. You don't, you don't, hmm. <laughs> you need this right here. To be discipled. That's what you need. Okay? 
Now, I'm a, I'm a nerd, and I like all the extra books, and they're all great, and they help, and they facilitate, and they can do things. And Sunday school, that's great. And, and preachers, that's great. And, the, and, and all the big, and it's all great, but you need the word of Christ to be discipled. Be devoted to that, and you'll be discipled. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. That's what the Word of God says. Sometimes it's easier than others. I get that. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's worth it. It's worth it, and you can be discipled. So then what am I saying? Like, I'm, it, You've said a lot. Let's, 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 let's put a little bow on it. Okay? Let's put a little bow on it. What are we saying? As we finish up evangelism boot camp, what are we saying we need to do? What are the big fundamentals? How do you tackle Right? How do you tackle? Well, when witnessing and evangelizing, always include the two. Evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. I've told y'all before, I sat right there after a big event over there in that gym, and, and we had the people that wanted to be saved come across here, and I sat right there, and I prayed with the kid, and I said these words, and it haunts me to this day. Explained, you know, what Jesus did and, and all of that. And he said a prayer, and I said, That's it. Now you're saved. Which is true. But it ain't. And it haunts me to this day. Because if you're saved, you need to be discipled. And so we, as witnesses of Jesus, can't separate the two. It's not. Share the gospel, which we think means share what Jesus did on the cross, death, burial, resurrection, get somebody to say something. It's the whole thing. The gospel is the whole thing. Jesus came and died on the cross and was buried and resurrected to take away the punishment for sin and to give you the gift of eternal life. And eternal life starts at the moment of salvation and continues forever. And as long as you have physical life, we should be being discipled. And you can't be discipled unless you're in the Word of God and you're fellowshipping with the saints. That's what discipleship is. That's what His Word says. So we have to keep those together. We have to, in other words, prevent, present the benefits and the costs. The benefits and the cost. What does it cost you? Everything. That's what Jesus said. My disciples will take up their cross and follow me. My disciples will die to self and follow me. My disciples will give up everything that this world offers them if they have to, to follow me. That's what Jesus said. So present it that way. Don't present it as some fairy tale, because it ain't a fairy tale. It's something that really happened, and it's, it's a big deal. It's life and death, eternal life and death. It's a big deal, church. Let's, let's do it the way God has called us to do it. The, but hey, but don't forget this part, but the benefits far outweigh the costs. Right? It's worldly temporary costs. It's eternal benefits. I mean, if it was on a scale, it wouldn't, like, it would just snap the scale in half. It's not even, it's not even close. But it does cost. But it is worth it. So we need to be sharing that. We need to be witnessing that in our lives. We don't need to gloss over the fact that following Jesus is difficult sometimes. We need to be real, church. That's why our first word, our first characteristic to describe us as a body of believers is sincere. Sincere. Because all that goes into that. Sincere. We need to be sincere when we share Jesus.
not fairytale-ish. And as a follower of Jesus, then, we need to be devoted to the Word of God. And we need to persist in the fellowship of the body. As a follower of Jesus, we need to be devoted to the Word of God. What, is it, what am I saying? You have to study all the time? No. I'm saying a little less Bible study and a little more Bible doing. That's what I'm saying. We need to be devoted to what God has called us to do. And listen, and I hate it when preachers say this. It makes me mad every time. But it's so true right now. I'm preaching to a mirror. Trust me. I'm preaching to a mirror. I'm not saying that I do this very well all the time. That's not what I'm saying. That's why I'm so aggravated about it. That's why it's bothering me so bad. Because as your shepherd, I'm not doing it very well either. And if I'm not doing it very well, then there's a, probably a pretty good chance that as a group, we're probably not doing this very well. And that bothers me to my core. It's not okay. It's not okay. So we've got to be devoted to the Word of God and persist in the fellowship with the body together. Sunday mornings is a minimum in fellowship. Why? Because the saved are disciples. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to shut up already. <laughs> I'm just telling you. The saved are disciples. We must be being discipled by Jesus if we are followers of Jesus. And you, and you might need to repent of your lack of discipleship and admit that to God and restore your fellowship with him. I'm not saying that if you haven't been being discipled well that you're not saved. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you are saved in a lifelong process, you will be discipled. Now, our job as the church is to disciple well. We need to disciple well with each other. God, I come to you today, and I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Oh, we, need, we need it. God, you've called us to disciple to make disciples. And lots of times, God, all we've been worried about is making converts and then leaving them to struggle in the world. Change my heart when it comes to that, God, please. Your word says that your Holy Spirit will give us the words when we, when we must speak of you. Lord, I pray that we will trust that when we speak of you, when we witness of you, that, that your Holy Spirit does it well in us, God. And just fill us with your, your grace and fill us with your power to be able to live this out, to be your disciples. It's only by your grace that we could possibly be disciples to the end, God, that we could follow you to the end. Lord, help us to remember that whatever we are called to give up in this world that it's tenfold infinitely better in eternity. May we never take our eyes off of that. That you are better than anything this world offers us. Lord, if anybody's here today and they've never accepted your message, that you love them, want them, and will have them for eternity, if they would place their faith in you, repent of their sins and place their faith in 
your power, your authority, the name of Jesus. I pray that today would be the day that they begin that journey because it is worth it. Lord, and I pray that you would make us a church that is making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.